Welcome to Beyond the Roadmap, Product Talk with AWH, a podcast for product people by product people. Join us as experts share their experiences and expertise to help you build great products. Hi, everybody. This is Ryan Frederick with AWH, and we're here for another episode of Beyond the Roadmap, a podcast about uh, creating great products. And I've got somebody who is uh, eye deep in caring about creating great products and great product management. Uh, And that's JJ Rory. JJ, thank you for joining. I appreciate it. Great to be here, Ryan. Thanks for inviting me. JJ and I have known each other for a while. I've been on her podcast. um, So I appreciate you returning the favor and, and, and coming on and having this conversation. And when I say that JJ really is somebody that cares deeply about great products great product management. Um, th- th- I don't say that lightly because she's written the book about it. She's teaching a Johns Hopkins about it. And we're going to dig into both of those things. So JJ, maybe, and I know this is like a really lame question to start with, but why write the book? Why write the book uh, about uh, the five truths of great product management called uh, Immutable? You know, it's really funny, Ryan, because when I... <laughs> It's kind of a cautionary tale um, that I think product managers will <laughs> will relate to. So it, the the book writing process from the idea of having, you know, I want to write a book to the book was actually launched was years long, literally you know, three or four years. And it's funny because I got the idea that I wanted to write a book, not that I saw a problem in the market and needed to solve for that problem, right? So it was the quintessential solution looking for a problem. I just, you know, frankly, egotistically wanted to write a book. Um, I just thought it would be cool. I thought it would I be love neat, that. right? And so honestly, that's, yeah, that's, that's honestly how it started. So then I'm like, okay, I know it's going to be about product management, but what, right? So there were all these iterations. I thought, okay, I'm going to teach the general product management. I'm like, well, that's crazy. Like everybody out there has, you know, a a course or a this or that or a, you know, medium article that teaching. And I'm certainly not the person to do that. I'm very skilled. I really believe in myself, but there are people out there who have done a better job at teaching the fundamentals of product management from a purely, you know, market needs a book kind of perspective. So then I was like, maybe the front end, maybe I'll do, you know, how do we do customer discovery? Again, there's some solutions out there, some people who, who create content out there that do that very well. Long story short, I finally got to a point where I was like, I have worked with probably thousands of product managers and, and folks in the product e- ecosystem over my career. Um, so what is it about those people who always kind of rise to the top, right? They just seem to navigate the role more um, smoothly, obviously more successfully. Like, what is it about those people? How do they navigate this complex role seemingly so easy? So that's the first like kernel of that's what I think I want the book to be about. I want to find those commonalities. I want to find that foundation. And then through research conversation, et, et cetera, and then kind of looking back on my experience, it all came to, they really have these five things, right? These five immutable truths, as I called them. And the thing about these five immutable truths, they're not groundbreaking. I'm not the first person who said, and we'll go through these, but I'm not the first person who said, hey, know your customers and build relationships if you're a product manager. But we tend to focus so much on the mechanics, the frameworks, the methodologies that we forget that there's this really critical foundation of 
soft skills, behaviors, you know, kind of abilities that really anchor everything we do. And without it, all of the best frameworks in the world isn't going to really get you that far. So that's how it ended up becoming what, what it, what it became. But, but I have to admit that <laughs> I was a solution looking for a problem for a while, but I did pinpoint a problem that I think is, is out there and needed a little bit more thought leadership on. Well, that's that's a good evolution on your part. Then, if you started solution oriented, to ultimately right get it get it associated to a problem, um, because this is not what you would advise you know your client your your product management clients or, or students <laughs> exactly. to do, presumably. Um, so, what what are what are the five immutables? What what and and you can highlight them you if you want to go into one a little bit more than the other that's fine but i and i think it's good because i could i could having read the book and having the book next to me i could i could read them off but i think you giving your sort of flavor on what they are and and why those five uh and maybe that's the second part to the question yeah. you know why those five versus some other things you could have included um in 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 replacement of one or two of them or some others that ended up on the cutting room floor yeah so, so quickly, the, the five immutable truths are uh, great product managers have a, a very high level of customer intelligence. Okay, so customer intelligence is, is number one. Great product managers are also um, experts at building relationships. So relationship building is number two. They're also master communicators. So communication skills is number three. Great product managers have uncommonly good judgment, and that's number four. And then finally, they are fanatical about prioritization. So customer intelligence, relationship building, communication, good judgment, decision-making, and prioritization are the five immutable truths. And again, kind of work together as this foundation or anchor um, of the product manager role. And there definitely were some that I thought about um, you know, or that we talk about a lot in product management that, that also tend to be kind of foundational skills. Um, and it's what I tried to do was really look at each one of these. Cause as I mentioned, it's not like, you know, relationship building and product management is this new, you know, concept. We all know that it's inherently cross-functional and we have to, you know, have these strong working relationships. Um, so what I tried to do is distill it down to the context of our world. Because again, relationship building, for example, is a very broad concept. It, it touches our entire lives, not just our product management role, right? Right. And so I try to make each one of these um, in the book and in and, and kind of what I'm, I'm teaching and training, I, I tried to make it contextual to our world, right? Like what does relationship meaning in our, mean in our world? Usually comes down to confidence and trust, right, uh, of, the, of the folks around us. What does communication mean in our world? Well, it means we've got to connect with our with whatever audience that is, meaning we've got to adjust to the audience because we've got lots of stakeholders, got to be clear, right? So it's very, very kind of specific things that we have to do in, in the organization. Things like empathy, curiosity, those are the things that we hear a lot about in product management, and they're all very uh, important. I actually see them as subsets of these truths, if you will, right? So, you know, having having empathy, um, helps build relationships. Being curious helps your customer intelligence. It also helps your relationships because being kind of, you know, genuinely curious about what's going on with your stakeholders, your, your teammates worlds 
that's something that helps build relationships. So um, to, to kind of answer the second part of your question, you know, within this, this answer, I think there are some things that are subsets of these big five truths that end up kind of manifesting through the way that we do our work. That makes total sense. Is there, is there a, is there a prioritization to the five? Do you think the five are equal? Do you think they, they do they build on each other in, in any way, especially for someone who's new to product management? Uh, or do you think that they're, they, they all carry their own amount of water all the time? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I get it a lot in some form. I believe that they're individual skills. I think you, you, you as a person, we as a, you know, as a, as an individual person have to work on each of these skills somewhat separately. I mean, at least folk in a focused area, right? Because communication skills are different than relationship building skills, right? With that being said, they're so connected that it's hard for me to even prioritize them, right? Even, even say, work on this one first, or this is the most important. If you have to have only one of these fives, do this one because they are so incredibly connected, right? And you can't prioritize your work without knowing your customers and having a high level of customer intelligence. You really can't build relationships that well if you're a terrible communicator, right? right. Um, you can't use good judgment without a little bit of all of those. So they are individual skills. Uh, they're unique skills in, in, in some ways, but, but in our world and product management, they're just so incredibly intertwined that I actually see them as truly an, uh, a kind of connected foundation, right? That, that helps us. And, and it, as you build one, you build the other. Or another way to say that is everything we do, right? Every project, every, every you, know, uh, you know, unit of work, every release, every whatever kind of builds some of this or it should, Right. Um, part of what we do is so, you know, embedded in um, cross-functional work and communicating all of the time in so many different mediums that we kind of inherently build these skills. But what great product managers do, and that's one of the things that I tried to get out in the book, is um, they're very intentional about all of these things, right? I almost, I actually almost thought about making the, or titling the book, you know, intentional or intentionality or something, something around that, because that's another core thing is relationships, for example, communication skills, for example, they don't just happen, right? Yes, we build them over everything we do, but we still have to be intentional about learning what we didn't do well, you know, learning what didn't connect with that audience and being intentional about continuously building these. That's the thing that I've seen about great product managers is that, you know, again, kind of fast forward and you're in a product manager, senior product manager role. You've been in this in this industry for, you know, or this space for 10 years. You would think, do I really have to keep building these? Yeah, you do. You and I built, you know, you, you and I've been doing this a, a while now, Ryan, right? And we still work on these skills every single day, every single week, every single quarter, et cetera. Um, and so I think that's another, you know, learning from the book is that if you want to be successful in product manager management, you've got to build these, these anchor skills, but you also got to keep building them, keep learning what's working and what's not. Absolutely. And do you think that the five immutables are 
equally as true and beneficial for someone new to product management as they are to someone who's a, a little more experienced. Uh, because a big part of product management is, and getting good at it is, is experiential. Um, and it is, it's having the reps and, and, and that's, and, and we could say that for anything, right? We could say that for any profession. We could say that for any sort of skill, right? The more you do it, presumably the better you're going to, you're going to get, assuming that you're learning and, and you're, you know, you're evolving. Um, but like someone starting out in product management and, and you work with a lot of young people in, in your teaching at, at Johns Hopkins. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, but someone who's new to product management. They might look at communication and think, well, I'm a good communicator. They might look at the relationship piece and say, well, I'm good at relationships, right? My friends might like me, you know, my, you know, my parents like me, et cetera. But relationships in the professional context of a product manager are, have a different dynamic and different components uh, than personal relationships. So do you think that the, is it just that? the level of experience you have to take the five immutables and just apply them, apply them differently given experience or lack of experience. Yeah. That's an interesting take or question. I, 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 I've learned a little bit about that this, this semester, as as you mentioned, I teach at Johns Hopkins. So one of the the classes I'm, I'm teaching, uh, and this is the first time is, is built on the, these five immutables and these skills. Um, And it's a, it's a class of graduate students. Um, and, and so some of them have a little bit of work and then have gone to grad school, but for the most part, they're, they're, they're students, right? Um, in other words, they don't have a lot of that real world experience yet. And so it's been an interesting perspective for me to look at that and try to teach these skills again, from the context of product management, to your point, it's not about your friends liking you. <laughs> it's about having a product team trust you, right? That's a, a relationship in our world. Um, and and how do you build that? How do you impart that kind of wisdom on someone like that? So so to answer your question or to, to chat about this, I think my my vision for the for the book and for writing out and, and kind of, you know, looking at these five skills, it was for the benefit of both new product managers or aspiring product managers and those of us who have some experience. I, I do think that there is a, uh, a benefit to both of those kind of segments of the market, if you will. Um, I think you have to approach it differently. So for example, my students or anyone else who maybe has worked a little while, but not in product management and they want to get in product management, because there's a lot of folks like that right now. Product management is, is, you know, a hot, hot field. Um, I try to advise them to look at these five and maybe they're not I- exactly in the context of what you'll need in, in a product manager role, but you probably do have some skills in there, right? You probably do uh, build relationships across your work, um, you know, your work team or communicate certain, certain, um, you know, concepts a- across stakeholders. Again, look at what you have today, and focus on these five things as you go into that role, right? So that's for aspiring or new product managers. I didn't know this. You didn't know this, right? There's not a lot of, um, there wasn't a lot, at least when we, when we started, of kind of foundational product management training, teaching, knowledge building, you know, at that point. 
Um, and even if there was, it was mostly about those frameworks and those processes and, you know, how do you do those things? It wasn't about building yourself into the role, right? And so these, these students that I'm teaching, I, I tell them, look, you're not going to have this experience. You're not going to know everything. You're frankly not going to be great at good judgment yet. Because good judgment takes a lot of domain knowledge, a lot of experience. But you can go in with eyes wide open about what it means to communicate with your stakeholders. You can go in with eyes wide open about what trust and confidence looks like in relationships in a product team, right? So you can build that. And then from an experience perspective, again, we know it. We've got the experience every time we, we do something well that's going to build trust. Every time we screw something up <laughs> and admit to it and transparent about it and ask our, our teammates to help us, that's going to build trust and confidence. So you definitely can use these five um, wherever you sit in your experience level. Um, but I like your point about the new folks because I've personally been learning a lot about that, how to teach new or aspiring product managers to embrace these five from the very beginning of your career and actually kind of build from there. And I think I wish I wish I would have really been intentional about it, you know, when I started my career. I think I would have avoided some headaches. <laughs> right. Well, um, you know, experience is, is still often the best teacher, right? Absolutely. Uh, can't, is there, can't get away from that. It's Yeah. Is there one of the skills that is it is that is harder for people to grasp and to get good at than another? Um, the, the, the customer discovery one, you know, always seems to be, you know, still a little bit of a prickly topic. And, in that in, in my experience, most product managers and most companies still aren't as close to their customers as they, as they otherwise could be. Um, and, you know, lots of excuses get made for that. Um, and, and, you know, judgments, the other one that, that, as you said, it's sort of experiential, uh, but even experienced people can still have a lack in, of judgment sometimes. And, and often that's because of outside pressure, mm-hmm. right? That, that they sort of know w- what the right answer is, or they know what the right thing to do is, but they succumb to pressure of let's, let's get the release out earlier, right? You know, we, we let's drive to this outcome versus this mm-hmm. outcome, right? Even though they know that the outcome that's being selected is sort of nonsense, right? So is, is there one right. of the five that you think is a little bit uh, trickier to nail than the others? I think you mentioned the two that would come to mind. I think judgment is probably the most difficult. Um, and, and the way that I talk about judgment, and, and I, I, I do loop decision-making in that. Judgment and decision-making aren't exactly the same same things. But, um, you know, the, the reason why I think judgment is the most difficult, or another way to say that is that most people – believe it's most difficult and are most intimidated by this truth, right? Is because it, it does seem a little nebulous. It does seem a little, um, you know, hard to master, if you will. Um, some people even believe it's innate. Some people believe you either have good judgment, it's a gut feeling or you don't. And, and that's just I, not true. I mean, I, I believe fully that there are people who may be more talented with that, if you will, their, their disposition may, may lend themselves to, you know, getting that more. Um, but you definitely can learn how to have better judgment, make better decisions. Experience will help. Um, the thing about judgment and decision-making and product management, and, and I talk about this in the book, is it's not about 
choosing the right answer every time. It's not about choosing, you know, or getting it right every time. There's just, there's no product person in the world who's, who's batted a thousand, right? And who's never made a mistake and never chosen a feature or functionality that didn't work out so well, you know, or what the, you know, it, it's just not possible with our complex worlds to always make the perfect decision, right? The right decision. So good judgment doesn't mean always getting it right. Good judgment means, you know, having as, as you know, um, you know, the, the domain knowledge, the subject matter expertise, the data as unbiased as possible that kind of comes into the decision-making process, the inputs are as clean as possible, um, you know, leveraging what you can and making decisions sometimes without all of the information, right? There's, there's no perfect data in product management. There's no clear cut answers often. Um, and so sometimes you just got to make a prediction and, and go forward. And if you need to pivot afterwards, then, then understand that, you know, good judgment also knows, or kind of is a, is an understanding of what, what decisions are bigger than others, right? What kind of de-risking level do you need to do? Is there ability to roll back something quickly? Then make a quick decision. If it's, you know, bigger implications, then again, use more data, use more time. That's good judgment, right? And so that does come with experience. It, it frankly does come with age. And I, I don't mean that to sound ageism, but I mean, it is, it is a, a nature of, you know, more experience in life and business. It just adds to some of that. Um, it's not that young people can't make good decisions and, and have good judgment. It's just that the experience adds to that. So I think judgment is the one that's the most difficult to, first of all, embrace because it's intimidating. And second of all, master, because it does take, take a combination of skills, behavior, knowledge, experience, et cetera. And it's not just something you can take a class on or, you know, put a 30 day, you know, sprint on and boom, you're, you know, a great judge or a great decision maker. Yeah. I love that. I was having a conversation with a colleague last week, I think it was. And, and, and he said something to the effect of, he tries to um, operate uh, with with no regrets, and I said, "Okay, well, you know, what mm. does that mean?" And he and he said, "Well, uh, I, I want to be able to make a decision, and even if it turns out wrong, that in the moment I made the best decision I thought possible based upon the customer input we were getting, the needs of the business." the time and effort we were going to have to put into that particular feature functionality or change, et cetera. And he said that, that he just tries to operate with no regrets that after making a decision, whether it turns out right or wrong, he sort of washes his hands of it. And he's, he's like, look, this, it might be right. It might be wrong, but I'm making the best decision that I think I can make for the product, the company, you know, users, et cetera. And I thought that was a really interesting way to say it. Cause I've never heard anybody sort of say it, you know, in that way. And it's probably a little bit controversial because, you know, if, if it goes, if it goes wrong and, and it was the, it turns out to have been the wrong choice, then, um, you know, that's not great, but you do sort of have to just, Except that you you're making the best decision you can based upon the information you can, and then and then you know let let the results sort of play out the way they're going to play out, knowing that you know they're not always going to be right. Absolutely, and that, that's a really I love the way that they they talked about it that way. Um, have you ever read the book um, Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke? Great I book. have. Um, yeah, I have. 
I'm oh, reading yeah. her new one now, Quit too, which is also fascinating. Yeah, I gotta I gotta get that one. I haven't read it yet, but but in that book, there there the whole book is great. But um, she talks about um, I think it's called result bias, or I think she calls it result bias. Like the the what actually happened is not the the thing that we should be um, hanging our hat on. Like obviously, the result we need to to the outcome, if you will, we need to be cognizant of that. But that's not the decision analysis that we need to make, right? It's, it's as you said, and, and your friend said, it's about, did we have the data? Did we in, in you know, involve the right people? Did we ha- do the right de-risking? Um, and, and how was the decision made? And if, if regardless of the result, if we did that well, then that was a no regret situation. I, I like the way he said that. And so, um, in, in fact, in her, in her book, one of my favorite examples, uh, I think you're, you're a sports fan, football fan. So you'll, you'll get this. Remember in the Super Bowl, like, I don't know, t- 10 years ago, five years ago, something when, when, when the Seahawks threw, uh, oh, sorry, yeah. this is for us football. Yeah. When the Seahawks threw an interception at the end of the game and they were like literally at the, the end zone and, and they threw an interception and lost the game. I mean, it was a nightmare scenario, right? So they should have won the game. They lost the game. And so Pete Carroll, the coach, um, was just dogged because of the decision to throw the ball as opposed to run the ball, right? And so Andy Duke in this book goes goes through all the details of how the data showed they should have, that he made the right decision, even though no one on earth is going to believe that because of the way it turned out, right? And so the way it turns out is... It is it clouds our ju- it clouds our our perspective so much that sometimes we just need to take a step back and say okay let's look at the decision one of one of my colleagues told me that that she uses a decision journal so every time a decision or a big de- decision is made she makes notes on the data that was used what was happening what was the situation around it like what was the pressure what were the 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 assumptions being made and and really kinds of literally journals the the situation around a decision so that regardless of of outcome we can look back and and see if we made the right decision or you know made the right moves based on that situation and so yeah, so that's why judgment is is one of those difficult things, but it's also one of the reasons why it's one of the immutable truths, right? It's so important that we in product management get comfortable with some of this ambiguity and get comfortable with, you know, being intentional about avoiding biases and doing all of the things that we have to do to realize that decision-making doesn't, or good judgment, good decision-making doesn't mean getting it right every time. It means doing the best that we can and learning from every every situation. Absolutely. And when it takes some bravery too, right? Because you, you, you know, when you're making a judgment that there's a chance that it's, that it's going to be wrong. And it takes, it takes, uh, you know, some bravery to, to, to take a stand and, and, and to make a decision. And, and I think one of the things that, that I often see with product managers is they get a little bit either, uh, paralyzed and they, they, or they just, they move too slowly because they don't have, you know, the skill of judgment and they don't have that bravery, right. To, to make a call based upon the information that they have. So they want more information. They're trying to de-risk, right. Uh, you know, and, and, but at some point, at some point, as with many, you know, decisions in life, you get, you get to a threshold where you just have to call the ball and you have to say, look, this is what we're going to do. 
any more data points, any more information is not really going to change the scenario, you know, that drastically. So let's just decide what we're going to do and then, and then do it. But that takes some bravery, especially for people that are, or maybe don't have a fancy, you know, VP or senior director, part of their title in product management and, and maybe have a little bit of fear of, of, you know, professional, you know, damage as part of making a, you know, what, what ultimately might turn out to be a bad judgment, even though they have, you know, they're in a situation that they have to make it. That's right. That's right. And, and it, it goes back to the kind of, you know, newer product managers are just simply going to be less confident in this. It's just the nature of it. And so they're going to be, they're going to take time. They're going to need time to build that kind of confidence and that judgment. Um, but it's also a good lesson for leaders, right? To, to set up an environment where we embrace taking and making decisions, taking chances and making decisions. Again, calculated risks. You, you, you make the decision with the best data you can and we can set ourselves up for that. But one of the, the reasons why product managers have a hard time with that and do get paralyzed is because they work in an environment where quote unquote failure is not an option, right? And it's not embraced. And if it doesn't work out, you know, perfectly or close, close to, to, to that way, you know, there's, there's some sort of replication. Doesn't mean they necessarily lose their job, but they get something, right? The, the, the visibility is on them and, and that's hard. And so as leaders, we've got to set up an, an environment where, um, you know, it, it's okay that we make mistakes. We learn from it. We have the mechanics set up, uh, the, the mechanisms, you know, set in place to how can we learn? How can we get better next time? Right. Um, it's easy to say, but it's harder for leaders to do to set up that culture in that environment where it's okay to make those decisions without the data. You know, none of us are going to get it perfect. And it's okay if a product manager does that. We'll learn along the way. Yeah, it's creating that that culture of, of safety, right? That, that people can can feel that if, if something exactly. doesn't turn out the way it's supposed to, but they made you know, the best decision they could at the time, given the information that they had, then then that's all any of us can expect, uh, expect of ourselves or, or others. Um, I love the decision journal, by right. the way. I've never heard of... of that that's I think that's an awesome tool that people could use to help, you know, retrospectively go back and see, you know, was I lacking information when I made this decision? Was I too hasty or could I have made this decision two weeks earlier because nothing really changed while we, while I was hoping for more information, nothing really right. changed. So I could have made the decision two weeks earlier. I think that's really, really uh, an, uh, an awesome thing. And I think that could be a great tool for a lot of people. Okay. So, you're steeped in product management. You've been doing product management for a while, coaching, training, advising, and now formally teaching. And it strikes me that that maybe we're, we're at a tipping point where product management maybe becomes its own sort of uh, educational path. Is that is is that possible? Is that true? Do you think people will be going to places like John Johns Hopkins in the future to actually study and get a degree in product management? Or is product management still a little bit too, too immature for that level of sort of formal education? I do see it as the future. I think that we will eventually have product management degrees. And I think there are just a couple out there today um, in, in various universities where there's a, you know, a master's of science and, and a 
kind of a focus in product management. Um, at Johns Hopkins, it's still through the engineering and it's still just tracks, right, within other programs. Yep. I do think there will be more and more universities who at a minimum have a, a very robust track of product management through other programs and other degrees. Um, and I do think that, you know, there will be some, some universities and some institutions out there that have a actual degree, um, you know, on, of product management. Now, because uh, for two reasons, I, or a couple of reasons, I think one, the, the, the kind of proliferation of, tech jobs and, and tech companies over the, let's say, last decade. I mean, it's been more than that, but really the last decade have put product management in the spotlight like never before. Product management's been around for a long time. Um, some people think it's literally 10 years old, but it's not. It's it's 50 years old or more, right? right. Um, but modern product management and, and the product management that we talk mostly about now um, has it, that, you know, literally there are hundreds of thousands of product manager jobs, um, more so than there was a decade ago. Right. Um, and maybe, you know, that number is even, even, you know, deflated some. So, um, lots more opportunities for product management, lots of visibility around the role and the function of product management. So I think that, that, that has, you know, it's created a market basically for, for folks wanting to get into product management and learn about product management. Now, here's what I think the implication is for that. Um, because really, you know, any institution adding product management is just a, a reflection of the market and the fact that there are folks who want to learn it, right? I, again, I, I teach, uh, and, and almost every one of my engineering students wants to get into product management before they even really understand what that means, right? It's just that visible right now. But what it means for us in, in organizations is that we're going to have to, you know, figure out what a new grad with limited or no business experience or any, you know, experience in, a, in the working world in a product manager role looks like. Right. Because right. if you think about it, product manager is a I mean, that's a very highly visible, very important role with needed skills and domain knowledge around multiple areas of the business and the market and the customer base. Right. So it's it's frankly, to date, not an entry level position. And so even the smartest people out there with the best graduate degrees are still entry level if they don't have experience. And so how can we, how can we devise more, again, so associate product managers are, are out there, those types of things. How can we find and, and improve along the, the lines of career development roles that can truly be in product management, but the, still on the learning curve? rotational programs, et cetera, et cetera. Those things I think are going to, in the organizations and in the, in the industries are going to have to become more common because otherwise we're going to have these, um, you know, these very smart people with these really great degrees that still don't have product management practical experience, right? Um, I will state for the record that, it, you know, Johns Hopkins and, and most other product management courses and programs there's a project-based practical learning. It's not just book learning that that does no good in product management. So we have real companies and real product teams that are working with the students to learn, but it's still just 
class, right? It's still just learning. And so until you get in that seat, it's going to be hard. So yes, I think the, the academia world is, is building towards that. But I also think the, the corporate and the industry world has to also amend the, the jobs that are out there and the way that we embrace new product managers to, to help them build in addition to the education that they got. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. The, the scaffolding isn't there, right, for new people coming into product management right. in, in most companies, because most people getting into product management now are coming from some other professional discipline, right? They're coming from project management. Maybe right. they're coming from engineering management. Maybe they're coming from, you know, even design. Uh, may, they might even be in, you know, QA or, or, or something, but at least they have professional experience, right? They have, they've been in the arena, right? And so now it's layering their professional experience on top of the, the product management, you know, discipline where when someone's coming out of school, now they've got pragmatic product management teachings, learnings, right? But they, they don't have any of that professional, um, insulation around it. And, and so I, I think, yeah, I think you're, your take around, hey, universities might be producing the students, but are companies ready for it? I would say, I would agree with that. I don't think today companies are that ready for it. That's right. And and I think, you know, the more and more program programs exist for product management, we in, in the, you know, the folks who are teaching at the institutions, the individuals who are teaching that we have to think about what that means, right? So again, I mentioned we've got practical projects and, and very practical based learning. We have to take that almost to a, to another level, right? If we really want to put great product managers out there, entry level, early green, but still great product managers, we, we have to do, have to rethink the programs and, and what that looks like and how those people actually learn it. Because, you know, again, there's two sides to that, like putting great talent out there and making sure they're ready. But like you said, making sure the, the organizations have that scaffolding, you know, ready for them to, to go in and, and, you know, hit the ground running while still being in a safe learning environment. How has teaching helped inform your perspective around the profession? Oh man, it's been so cool. So, so I've done corporate training for quite a while now, corporate, corporate advising and training corporate teams. And, you know, so I've worked with folks who have been in product management for a while, but even them again, because they didn't learn formally, they just kind of got into the role from, from another place. And so it's, it's kind of setting a, a foundation, um, you know, fueling the plane and air kind of thing, right. Um, for those, those corporate folks who, who have experience, but learning from the students that I have, and again, they're, they're, some undergrads that we've started teaching, but, but mostly grad students. So early twenties, maybe a little bit of business experience, maybe, um, maybe just coming straight from undergrad to, to graduate school. So very limited business experience, but they see the world, right? They're very smart people. They've, they've, they've been around the world. A lot of them are foreign students and kind of immersed themselves in different cultures. Um, you know, all of them have grown up in a way that technology was a part of their life from the very beginning, right? They, there, it was never, uh, a, there was never a time when they weren't connected to the world around them, which is a, a different, you know, world than, than, than I grew up in, right? Um, I'm not that old, but, but I definitely <laughs> had a time when, <laughs> when it was, you know, when it wasn't that connected. And so these folks, while they're, they're green in some ways in terms of like, um, you know, 
kind of the the traditions, if you will, of of professional businesses, and you know, all of that, all of that's kind of being turned on its head, right? I mean, I, I think how we work, when we work, who we work with, all of that kind of stuff that you know maybe have was set in stone at some point is is no longer, and so I have learned to teach the profession um, in a way that you know, it, it kind of resonates with, with younger people, with people who have a different kind of worldview than a lot of folks that are currently in product management, right? So if you look at the world of product management, you know, a lot of the folks in there are folks that have been involved in a world that's different than the way these, these folks see the world. And so I've had to teach the principles of it, which frankly, I believe are immutable and will be the same no matter what. Know your customers, know your stakeholders, have empathy for the world around us, make products that matter to the world and that include everyone, right? These are some of the things that these students have brought to my attention, even more so than it was before. I mean, it's about doing good, right? It's about, you know, um, you know, making an impact. And I don't mean to be an old crotchety, you know, <laughs> person, but some of that naivete will wear off over time. But the truth is they see the world differently than, than a lot of folks. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I think it is critical for our world. I think it's going to make a huge impact. And so I've had to kind of find a way to teach the principles of what they need to learn without trying to force them into an old way of thinking and working, if that makes sense. Um, and so it's been really cool for me. I think it's been um, a learning experience for me. I think I've become a better product person because of it. I think I've become a better teacher and trainer and advisor because of it, um, because it's the very definition of having empathy for your user, you know, or customer and, and kind of understanding their, their point of view versus trying to force your point of view on them. Well, it sounds like many of them may actually be better prepared to leverage the immutables than than exper professionally experienced people who came from another discipline who maybe don't have a great respect for customer discovery and, and being close to the customer and understanding the problem deeply and maybe don't even value relationships that much. Um, because maybe they're coming from a role in a company that relationships weren't that important. It was more, it was more tactical. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe product management is, is, is going to, you know, rise in importance and, and value and impact, you know, as, as more young people get into the profession because they're coming into it with a different perspective that might be a little bit more open-minded and willing to embrace, you know, the immutables that you, you know, so accurately point out in the book. Yeah, I think that's actually a good point. And I think it's, it's certainly, I'm, one of the things I'm most excited about uh, is that we're getting to teach these really critical principles, which is, again, problem analysis, you know, customer empathy, you know, really spending enough time in that space. We're teaching that from the beginning of someone's product career. Whereas, again, traditionally, we've learned it after we knew all this other stuff. And it's hard to unlearn things, right? It's a totally different scenario to come in, come in with a beginner's mind and learn things from the beginning. And it's not that they won't have missteps and that, you know, they'll do everything right, but they'll at least have a foundation that, that's, that those of us who navigated ourselves into the role from other places didn't have the, the opportunity to, to learn from the beginning. And so I think that that foundation is one of the things I'm most excited about. And 
And I, I try to impart that on them. One of the things that's hard for, for students, again, engineering students who bright, always made straight A's, always kind of did the best thing. They're engineers by, by kind of trade and, or by, by education and by mindset. Um, they want to solve, right? They want to solve problems. They want to have all the answers and they want to put something in a, in a pretty little box. Um, that's not product management a lot of the time. And so that's one of the things that they'll have, that I've been able to impart to them before they ever start a product management career, that it's sometimes messy, you got to spend time in that messy problem space way before you start to jump into solution. Again, a lot of us didn't learn that until it was not too late, but certainly late in the game. And so I think you're absolutely right that there's an opportunity for anyone teaching product management right now to students or to folks young in their career to, to really help the profession by making people understand the importance of that. Well, that's why mostly well, mostly bad products is not the right way to say it, but products that got created that didn't solve a problem that nobody really cared about, that didn't add any value, that probably shouldn't have ever gotten created, got created because they got created by people who were solution focused and who didn't, who did maybe didn't even know that 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 they had to jump into the to the middle of the muck and the mire of you know, understanding the problem and, and, and sitting with users, et cetera. And so, you know, I hope we've, we've, we've evolved past that, but I don't know that we will evolve past it as significantly as we will until there's a, there's a new generation of, of people in product management who now don't see it any other way and know that, you know, building before understanding and creating before understanding and those kinds of things are just, are, are just no-nos. Um, and I think it's, you know, to your point, it's hard to unlearn. So if you've been wired to build and to produce something and to create something, then that's what you're, that's, that's going to be your default operating, you know, mode, right. Versus saying, look, let's hold off. Right. Uh, you know, we don't know enough yet, right. To be, do to be doing that, stop coding, get your fingers off the keyboard. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think that the, the, Hopefully the, the new people entering into product management uh, bring a, a new appreciation for the immutables and, and other sort of foundations of the profession that make it make it exponentially better than it has ever been. Yeah, that's my hope and, and, and my belief. I, I believe that that will be true. I, I, I fully expect a day when most of the folks in product management look back at some of us, um, even those that you know, we're successful in it and say, you did it. How, <laughs> what were you doing? What were you thinking? Right. Um, because, you guys, yeah, you guys cared about learn from the beginning. You guys cared about <laughs> roadmaps and points and cards and stuff. What? <laughs> so, so arcane. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Um, and I can't well, wait for that day. <laughs> and I'll be, I'll be the first one on stage to say, yeah, we used to do it that way. And, you know, have somebody laugh at me and I'll, I'll love it. I'll embrace it all. <laughs> Well, JJ, you are certainly one of the people uh, helping to drive uh, and evolve the profession. So um, thanks to you for that. And kudos to uh, all your work um, on the book. Everybody should pick up the book and, and read it who's interested in product management or who is in product management and wants to get better at it. Um, and con you know, congratulations to your students at Johns Hopkins because I think they're getting somebody to... Uh, indoctrinate them into the profession um, as well as anybody they could probably have standing in up in front of them. Thank you so much, Ryan. I appreciate it. JJ, thank you very much. 
Folks, it's Ryan Frederick with AWH. This has been Beyond the Roadmap, a podcast about building great products. See you next time. Need some help with product? AWH is a digital product consulting, user experience, and software development firm here to help you create great digital products. Check out www.awh.net or follow us on Twitter at AWHnet to learn more.